I hope you get to go to Africa someday. Uh, many of us have been over the last few years, and I appreciate our media guys. Mindy Avedikian shot that video. She was one of the adults that went on the trip. That video probably captures Africa better than any video I've ever seen. That's what you do. You go out into the villages, just dirt everywhere. People just love to dance and sing, and you dance in church. And it's okay. Nobody freaks out about it. In fact, if you don't dance, you're weird. You know, everybody saw the guy with the mic and he's getting them going up there and everybody. So it's an amazing experience. And I hope sometime that you can go if the Lord will lead you to serve in that way. I want to talk about this morning, the idea of serving. I did that two Sundays ago and I talked generally about the simplicity of serving and what it means just whenever we serve the Lord, how we do that. Uh, we do it staying focused on Jesus and we, we find joy in it because we're doing it for him. And then we find meaning in it because it's eternal, because it's going to last forever, the, the effects of our service. And so I told you last uh, two weeks ago that I wanted to talk about it generally. Some of you have come up to me and said that was a great reminder for me. I knew all that, but I needed to be reminded of that just to re return to just simply serving Jesus. And so hope that was a great reminder for you. Today we're going to go the opposite direction and talk about serving, not generally, but specifically. How do we serve? Where do we serve? Uh, how does the Lord lead us to serve? You know, the church, the church and our church is a volunteer organization. We rely on volunteers to serve in a variety of capacities in order to fulfill all the ministries of this great church. It's, it's you guys. It's the volunteers that do that. And so not only the ministries we currently have, but ministries that we will eventually have in the future. Because as God leads a new pastor here, I'm sure some things are going to change and there'll be a, a new fresh vision for what our church needs to be involved in. And and so there'll be new opportunities to serve as well. You guys have probably heard this statistic if you've been around church any time at all, and that is that 20% of the people do 80% of the serving and giving in any local church. You heard that before? Yeah, and unfortunately, that is sometimes true. It's crazy to think about that, that 20% of the people who attend would do most of the serving and giving. And don't worry, the sermon's not about giving today, so you can relax, okay? But it is about serving, I don't think any of us would stand up and say, that's exactly how it ought to be. 20% of the people should do 80% of the work. No, we all know that that is not healthy, that that's not even sustainable. And yet that's what happens so many times. So this morning, I want to, I want to share a different model with you, a model that's, that's based on the sovereignty of God, because I believe that serving in the local church should be and is a result of the sovereignty of God in your life. And so I want to talk about the sovereignty of serving this morning, okay? Now, you may say, well, I don't really understand exactly what you're talking about when you say the sovereignty of God. I believe that the most visible way to see the sovereignty of God lived out in this world right now and see it with our physical eyes is in the church. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you in just a minute so you can understand that as well. But it's a beautiful thing when the church comes together and serves in the way that God has actually designed it to work and planned it to work. So the sovereignty of God, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the control of God. God who is sovereign means that he is completely in control, that there's no one in control of him. He is supreme. He's the highest. So he doesn't answer to anyone. He is supreme in his control and his authority and his power. And so he is sovereign. That's what it means. He is completely in control. And you'll hear people say sometimes when they talk about what a mess the world is in, it's okay because God is in control, right? We talk about that, and that's true. But we all know that we have some choice, that how does the free will of man and the sovereignty of God work together? And that is a, that is a debate that theologians have been having since Jesus was on the earth, and they'll probably have it until he comes back. I think I got it figured out. 
for me anyway. <laughs> I'll tell you what works for me. Here's how I understand the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God has as much control in any and every situation as he wants to. That means that he gives some control to you and he gives some control to me, right? He didn't choose for me to sin. I chose that myself. He didn't choose for Adam to sin in the garden. Adam chose that. So all the way through your Bible, you see human choice, personal responsibility, free will. But there are times when God, who is completely in control, steps in to human decision and supersedes it. We see that too. We know that's true. And we call that a miracle because God ultimately is in control. Only a God who is in control could give you and me some of the control. If he wasn't in control, he couldn't do that. But he has ultimate control and he chooses when he created us to give each of us just a little bit of that control as we all mess it up. <laughs> the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So every one of us messes it up at some point in our lives. We're sinful people. But that doesn't change God's control. So what does the control of God, the sovereignty of God, have to do with you and me and how we serve? Well, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, and I'm going to read a few verses out of that chapter, and we're going to understand this idea of the sovereignty of serving. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and stand with me this morning out of reverence for God's Word, and you can read along in your copy of Scripture or look on the screens, whichever is easier for you or more helpful to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 I'm going to read a few verses, not the whole chapter, but this is what it says in verse 4 down through verse 14. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. He's talking about spiritual gifts. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the message or a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. Verse 12, for just as the body, the human body, is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body... Though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Now look down in verse 18. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. So what we see in this passage of scripture is Paul trying to help the Corinthian church understand how spiritual gifts work together. And he uses the analogy of the human body, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But there was some problems in the Corinthian church because people were seeking to elevate themselves over one another based on their gift. One thought they had a better gift than the other one. And so Paul's writing to them in chapter 12, 13, and 14 to straighten them out and kind of give them some instruction and help them. So but what we see, and I don't want to focus this morning on the specific gifts. Uh, that's not what this sermon is going to be about. This sermon is more about how God places us in the body sovereignly to serve him. So this morning, now, there's three discoveries I hope that you could make in the next few minutes as we talk together and you listen and I share. And the first is this. There's a blueprint for the body. God has a blueprint for his church. In verse 18, it says, we just read it, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. 
So God has a plan for his body, for the church. He's a planner. He's a, you look around at creation and you see his forethought in everything. He, in one place it says he arranged the parts in the body. In one place it says he appointed the parts of the body. In chapter 12 it says that. So God is the one who arranges, appoints, and assigns which parts of the body fit into the body and where they fit. He has a blueprint. You can look at your human body and know that he has a blueprint. Well, the same thing is true for the church, for the body of Christ. I, uh, I remember when we built the Elevation Youth Building many, many years ago, and I got to be part of that project. I was still the youth minister here, and I, I was thrilled to be part of that because I had dreamed about for a long time the idea of getting to build a youth building and having it be just the way we wanted it and do ministry in that building. And so first time I met with the architects, I had gone and studied a lot of different buildings, and I brought all my ideas to the architects, and they were pumped and excited about it because it's such a weird building. They were just excited to do it. Architects are like artists. You know, they like to do different things sometimes. They don't want to just build a box with windows. So they were pretty stoked about all the different way the building was designed, the finishes and all that kind of stuff. So we had a lot of fun collaborating together. I took all my ideas to them and I couldn't wait to, to meet with them then and see the blueprints, the plan. They took all that stuff we talked about and our, our building committee talked about and they put it all on paper and I, I just took those plans home and I just studied them. I basically memorized them. I could tell you how every wall finished fit the other wall finished and where the walls were supposed to be. And I just, because I wanted to get, I wanted us to get it right. I remember the morning we poured concrete. It was in January. It was like 3.30 in the morning they started pouring concrete. I invited all the youth to come. No one did. And so I stood out there in the cold and watched them pour concrete. And about three days later, I snuck over the fence and walked that whole slab. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a mistake. This building's way too small. This is not what we planned at all. Man, I rushed back over to my office. I got the blueprints out. I walked it off. I went back and looked at the blueprints. I was like, they did exactly what the blueprints say. So I'm wrong. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just walk on a slab and no walls. It looks really small. And you build the thing. And it's like, wow, it's a big building, you know. So I studied those blueprints. There was a plan. And the blueprints served to guide everyone who was involved in the project from start to finish. Everyone went back and referred to the blueprints. That was the guide. Well, God has a blueprint for the church, a design. He has a plan in, in mind when he put his church together, not for it to be random or chaotic, but for it to work and have order. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, during that year of construction, there were many times that we went back and we looked at the blueprint to figure out what happened because we had a change somewhere and we needed to correct that and we went back to the blueprints to give us guidance. So God has a blueprint for his body and every detail of that blueprint is correct and in God's wisdom, he has ordered a provision for every need ministry. Do you believe that? That the body of Christ should never have a need or a ministry that goes unmet that he wants for the church to have because he is the master planner. Um, I believe that every church, instead of having a 20% of the people serve rate, I believe every church, that every church that's full of people who love and know Jesus should have 100% serve rate. 100% serve rate. In other words, everybody who's an active attender, a member of that church, who attends that church, should be serving. That's God's design. He has a blueprint for that, and he's given us that in Scripture here when he talks about that. You know, I grew up, my dad was in construction, and he built homes, and my uncle and him had a business together. And so anytime I go to their office, my uncle was a draftsman. I loved to go in his office, and there was a drafting table there, and he was always working on some new house plan. And it fascinated me. I wasn't supposed to touch it, you know, my dirty fingers on it or anything. So I just would look at it. But I, I said, Dad, bring some old blueprints home. I want to look at these blueprints. These are really cool. To me, that's just the way my mind works. And so um, I grew up around that. I understand that. Well, God is the one who designed his church. He's the one who has a plan for us, for this church. 
He has a plan that works when we follow his plan. All of us are the beneficiaries of great planning. You live in a house that someone planned. Not perfectly, but they did plan it, right? So the electrical and the plumbing and all the finishes, it all works together. This building was planned. And though we're changing some of the plans, it still works really well. You came here today in a vehicle that someone planned on a piece of paper before it ever got to you or on a computer screen, right? And all those systems, the electrical systems and all those things, fuel systems, everything works just hopefully, when it's new anyway, <laughs> it works as it's supposed to because there was a planner. There was someone who put the plan together and many people looked at it and they came to the conclusion that it was a good plan and, and you came up here today in your vehicle. So our human bodies, Paul uses the analogy here of our human bodies to show us that the body of Christ is very similar. Look at the comparison. He says this, he says the human body has many parts, so does the body of Christ. Each part has a specific function in the human body. He talks about, we didn't read those verses, but he talks about the eyes and the ears and they don't compete with each other. He said, look, they each have their own function. So it is in the body of Christ. He says each part in the human body has been placed there by God. So it is in the body of Christ. He said each part cooperates with the others by doing its specific job. So it is with the body of Christ. He said each part is equally important to the overall functionality of the body. Each part serves its place. So it is in the body of Christ. Your physical body, your anatomy was planned by God. Now we're fallen, so our human bodies are not perfect, but they're still incredibly intricately designed. It's amazing. The Bible says we're wonderfully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. That's true. You've ever studied anatomy, physiology? The body's an amazing thing. Your heart beats all the time and you never think about it unless it stops beating or starts beating really hard or something. You don't have to tell your heart to beat. It just beats. It beats while you're asleep. It's beating all your life. You had nothing to do with it. There are all these systems that work inside of us. So the human body is a picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. There's a blueprint for the body. And God wants us to know that the, the church, the, his body, the body of Christ is not a happy accident. We didn't just happen. We were planned. There was forethought for us. And so we're not randomly thrown together. We're part of what God's designed. You see, the Bible says in verse 28, again, that God appointed these in the church. It talks about apostles and prophets and teachers. So God had a plan when he put his church together of how it should function. And it's a perfect plan because he's a perfect God. So that's why I say you can see the sovereignty of God, the control of God on display with your physical eyes in, in probably the most... Um, the most obvious way by looking at his church because it works beautifully when the parts of the body function. Now, you'll hear people say, well, so-and-so is really, really creative. So that just means they're horrible at planning. They can't do a budget. They can't get anywhere on time, right? Like, you know somebody who's artsy and they're like uh, terrible at being organized, but they're really creative. We always hold those two things up as though they're opposites and somebody who's really organized can't be creative and I said in the last service that, you know, engineers are really organized, but they also are creative, and nobody said a word. And I thought, well, we had a bunch of engineers in our church. I guess they don't want to be creative. But the truth is, both those things go together perfectly in God. You can be a person who has creativity and organization, and God does both. The body of Christ is a perfect picture of both of those elements, creativity and organization. So in God's creative ordering, he has planned his body with a perfect plan, and all the members are included as contributors. Again, I'm not talking about financially, though I think that's part of it too, but that's not what we're talking about today. You're a part of the body of Christ, if you know Jesus Christ, as a contributor. That's his plan. That's the blueprint for the body. 
You're part of the body. You have a part. You have a part of his plan. So my question is, if that's true, and since that's true, and God has sovereignly and strategically placed each one of us in the body, where has God placed you in the body? Do you know? You say, well, I'm sitting right here. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about in terms of where you fit, in terms of how he's called you to be a part of the body. How do you fit into the blueprint for God's body, for the body of Christ? What's your God-given role in the church? You see, there's a blueprint for the body. And that's the first thing I want you to see. Secondly, this morning, I want you to see this, that there's a design for every disciple. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, look at what it says in verse 7. It says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? To each person. Each person who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. A manifestation of the Spirit. We often say, well, I can't see where the Holy Spirit's at work. Well, oftentimes, you know, and he talks about these gifts here that we would be scared of, you know, the miraculous gifts, they call them the sign gifts, you know, and, and oftentimes we think that's charismatic, that's not Baptist, we don't do that here, you know, and we don't to some degree. But the reality is, it's not just when those gifts occur in people's lives, it's when the gift of faith or the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of, of uh, helping, the gift of mercy. When you see those gifts lived out in people's life, you're seeing the Holy Spirit. That's what he says, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's not always the crazy, ooh, gosh, you know, mysterious, mysterious stuff that we're all afraid of. It's the practical things, too, because the Holy Spirit is the one that motivates that. And then verse 11, he says, one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. So your design is personal to you. Do you know that? You're not an accident either. God saved you, he knows you, he knows every hair on your head, the Bible says, and he loves you, and he designed you to serve in his body. You personally, he knows you that well. Verse 6 says that God produces each gift in each person. So every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, every one of us have at least one spiritual gift that he gives us. You don't earn it, just like you don't earn your salvation, you don't deserve it. It's a gift from him. So each one of us fit in in that way is that we both have a gift. The Bible says we can see the Spirit working in that way. So every follower of Christ is placed in the body by God's design. So that's you. Did you know that? You've been designed. Your life is designed by God. So there, there's a need, first of all, for discernment. Because the question I would ask you is today when you leave here later and you go to lunch and you're sitting around the table with your family, your friends, or whoever you're going to eat lunch with, if one of you stepped up and said, hey, let's remember what Pastor Paul said in the sermon today. Let's go around the table and each person tell their primary spiritual gift. What would you say about yours? Could you do it? Would you even know or would you go, I don't know. The reality is it takes discernment to figure out your spiritual gift. I didn't read this verse, but the very first verse of 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. Do you know what the Greek word for unaware is? There? No, you don't know what the Greek word is. Let me tell you what the Greek word is. I'm glad you asked. The Greek word for unaware is agnoia. It's where we get the word agnostic. You know, an atheist and an agnostic, you know the difference. An atheist is someone who says there absolutely cannot be a God anywhere in the universe. I know that for certain. That's an atheist which is ridiculous, but that's what an atheist believes. An agnostic, on the other hand, says, well, I don't know. I don't think there's a God, but I'm not sure. I don't really know for certain. They're open. They, they can't say with absolute uh, 
completeness that they don't know that there's a God anywhere. So they, they say, well, I don't know for sure. So it, literally the word means ignorant. And it's not an insult. It just means they're unaware. So Paul says, I'm writing to you so you won't be an agnostic about spiritual gifts. So that you won't be unaware and go, I don't know. Is that you today? Are you unaware? It takes discernment to know your spiritual gift. And we're going to talk about how to do that. But the reality is God didn't give you your gifts so you'd sit around and go, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I have no idea. So how do you know? How can you discern? At the end of the message here in a minute, I'm going to give you a tool that you can use. And it's not a foolproof tool, but it is a tool that you can use that may help you discern your spiritual gift. It's called the shape assessment. Shape stands for spiritual gifts, hearts, abilities, passions, and experiences. And so um, there's a tool that we'll show you in a minute and you can use that. But to me, a pastor gave me great advice. I was a brand new Christian and I was asking about spiritual gifts. What's my spirit? How can I know my spiritual gift? Because I grew up in a Baptist church and nobody ever talked about spiritual gifts in the Baptist church. So I was like, I'm reading my Bible and it says that I have one, at least one. So what is it? And this guy gave me some great advice. He said, look, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, what is it you gravitate toward? And he said, naturally, I would change that and say supernaturally. What do you, when you're full, so I was like, well, what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? That sounds weird. That sounds, ooh, no. He goes, no, it just means to be in the, under the control of the Holy Spirit. Like when you get up in the morning, you say, God, today is your day. I give it to you. I want you to have it. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be, I'll talk to whoever you want me to talk to. You're in control. I am here to follow you. And I just want to live in submission to your spirit today. And when you do that, he fills you up. That just means he controls you. And that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, so when you live like that, what do you gravitate towards? What do you tend to do? And so I thought, well, I don't know. He said, well, just watch and see. And, and that's how the Lord began to reveal to me my spiritual gifts. So I would say that's a great idea for anybody. Because oftentimes we serve just based on a need or we serve based on Somebody asks us to do it, and we feel bad for saying no, but we don't serve based on our design. God's designed you with a gift, every one of you that know him. I don't care if you're 8 years old or 80. It doesn't matter. He's designed you with a gift because there's a design for every disciple. So there's a need for discernment, but there's also a need for compliance. Ah, this is where it gets meaningful. <laughs> because if you know your gifts, let me ask you a question. Are you currently exercising your spiritual gift or gifts? You might have more than one. So are you using your gifts currently in our church? Are you serving according to your giftedness? That's where the sovereignty of God comes in. It's not enough just to know your gift. You have to also comply with the Holy Spirit. So many of you have built homes and you've sat down with an architect or a builder and you've planned it all out before you ever poured a slab or before any stick of wood was ever built or nailed together or anything. There was a plan. There was a blueprint. And so if you're, you're like, my dad was a home builder. He, he hated to build custom homes because he said, it's a nightmare. People, they, you build a custom home for them and they go to the job site every night when they get off work and they look to see what the builders messed up today. And so then they make a note and they call me every night. I get a phone call. After I've worked all day, I got to talk to people on the phone all night about, I'll meet you at the job site first thing in the morning. So he built a lot of spec homes, which means he built homes that nobody wanted. And they sat around for a couple of years and we almost starved to death. So that's the reality. So he, but he should have built more custom homes, I guess, but he hated the process because you know how it is. If you've ever done that, man, you're going to go to that job site. You're going to look, I went to that elevation job site almost every day. And I got to tell you, the builder did not like me. He didn't because I get over there and I'd go, Hey, uh, there's a steel beam on the floor. Where does that go? Cause you guys are already done with that, right? Uh, we didn't put that up. We left it out. 
All right, hey, architect, um, we got a problem. There's a steel beam on the floor over here. And so then we'd have to have a meeting, you know. And that happened a bunch of times over little different things because he, he'd see me coming and he'd walk to the construction trailer and just go in there and shut the door. He wouldn't even, he was so sick of me by the time it was over. But I was like, we are going to get the building we paid for and the building we planned, okay? That's my responsibility is to make sure we do that. Well, what happens when you have a plan and then you go to the job site and you see noncompliance? It may not have been the builder, it may have been a sub. I was over there one day and they were putting this finish on the wall and I was like, that's not, what we're, that's not what we call for in the plans. And I'm sitting there looking at it. It's a Friday. It's about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And they work till 5, right? So I went and got the contractor, and he didn't like it. And we went in there, and I said, look, that finish right there, that's not the right finish. I said, I can go over and get the plans. I got the plans. I know. I said, well, that's not the right finish. And he goes, okay. Well, they'll stop or whatever. So I left. I came back Monday, and they had put it all the way across the wall. They finished it. Wrong finish. So I was like, um, Call the architect, hey, what's going on with this? He goes, well, the deal is they, they, have, they get paid by the hour. So even though it's the wrong thing, they ordered the wrong thing, they went ahead and put it up. They'll take it back down. I was like, okay. I don't understand how this works, I guess. You ever experience that noncompliance where you have a plan, but the people who are putting the plan into motion don't comply with the plan? Yeah, that happens sometimes. And that happens in the church too. When we either don't know our design or we know our design and we don't use it. We don't comply with the Holy Spirit. We don't comply with God in our life to do what he wants us to do. The, the Bible talks about this in, in Isaiah 45. It's a great verse if you've never read it. It says this in verse 9. Woe to the one who argues with his maker. One day, I'm sorry, one clay pot among many. Does the clay say to the one forming it, what are you making? Or does your work say he has no hands? If somebody saw the church, if they saw Moderately Baptist Church today, would they see the sovereignty of God or would they go, God must not have any hands. This place is chaos, right? Who says to the potter, what clay says to the potter, what are you making? No, we don't do that. We don't choose our design. He designs us. He gives us a spiritual gift to use uh, that is personal, but not just personal. It's also profitable because in verse 7, he says it's for the common good. So here's a revelation today. God gave you a gift, not for you. He gave you a gift for everybody else. Ah, that's pretty awesome when you think about it. He gave your gift to you for me. I can benefit from your spiritual gift. I hope you're benefiting from my spiritual gift right now. I hope you benefit from the spiritual gifts of people who lead us in worship and the connect group you're going to go to where people are going to love you and teach you the word of God. I hope you, you do. You benefit from the manifestation of the spirit in their life, their giftedness. So your gift is not for you primarily, it's for the church, it's for the common good, it's profitable for the body, and that's why he gives it. I teach Discover Membership, and one of the things I always say to people in that course is, yes, you've come to our church because there's something that you're receiving, there's something that's drawn you here. It might be the music, it might be your connection to somebody who's already in church here, uh, it might be the ministry to your kids or your youth or whatever it might be, uh, or just the opportunity to go on mission trips, whatever, I don't know. But you're not just coming for what you can get. God's also bringing you here with something to give. He's bringing you here with a spiritual gift that we need right now. And if God is actually leading you to our church, then he knows because he is sovereign, he knows that we need that gift right now. You ever think about it that way? It's not just about what you get. It's about what you can give when you come. And so it's important to think about that. When the body follows the blueprint and every disciple follows the design that God's given them, it's a beautiful thing. And I said a minute ago, people can see it. The church ought to be a place where people go, man, 
God is at work there. That place works like a well-oiled machine, better than a well-oiled machine, because it follows this perfect plan, and each person's following the design that God has for them. And that's what Paul says works, and we know it does. In fact, Paul says in verse 4 through 6, the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. So it's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there. Jesus said it this way, in the same way, let your light shine before men or others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I realize I butchered that. I'm sorry, I have a different translation written down here. But the point is this, when we serve the Lord and do what he's called us to do, when we fit into our design, God gets the glory. I don't. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't design me. I'm, not, I'm just clay. I, I'm not the potter. You're not either. So God gets the glory, and that's what happens when we serve him according to his will and what he wants for us. So, so there's a blueprint for the body. There's a design for every disciple. And the last thing is this this morning. There's a response for every recipient. So you are a recipient. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a recipient of a gift. The Bible calls it a spiritual gift. So you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It was given to you. It was given to me. Spiritual gift. So you're a recipient. So what do you do if you're a recipient? You receive the gift. But you respond in some way to that gift. And this morning, there's a response for you. I've got like four minutes, and I'm going to probably go over one or two, so be patient and stay with me, okay? This is really important. There's a response for you. You are a recipient, so what is your response this morning? Well, some of you used to serve all the time, and for whatever reason, maybe it's COVID. I mean, there's a lot of people still, about 500 people every week still watch online. And I realize that some of you, let me just talk to you for a minute, I realize some of you are not able to come back yet because of health reasons, and that's fine. But some of you enjoy watching me in your pajamas, which I think is weird, okay? <laughs> and you know what? You can't use your design that God's designed you with in your house. I mean, you can serve the people in your house, but that's not serving in the body. So I want to encourage you, if you're staying home because it's convenient, come back. Come back and serve in your giftedness. That's what God wants for you. And those of you who are in the room, I say the same thing to you. Maybe you used to serve and you got away from it. Maybe you did it for a while and you're one of those people that said, I did it for 18 years, every Sunday I was here. It's like now you can retire. Find that in your Bible. I don't have to use my spiritual gift anymore because I did it for a long time. That's not in there. Maybe that's you though. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know, I, I used to serve, but I hated it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy it. It was a bad experience because you didn't serve according to your giftedness. You served according to however the need was. Somebody came to you and said, we really need you in preschool today. And you went, okay, I'll do it one more Sunday. But you didn't feel like you were fulfilled serving in that capacity because you may not be gifted to work with preschoolers. But people who are don't usually leave going, I hated that today. They usually go, that was awesome. I got to do what I'm called to do. I got to do what I'm gifted and designed to do. So that's really, really important too. Um, some of you serve in the community or you serve through your employer or maybe even at your kid's school. And that's great. That's being salt and light, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But that's not the same thing as serving in the body. It's not an either or. It's great to serve in the community, but it's meaningful and helpful to also serve in the body. So what are you doing in the body currently to use your, your spiritual gifts and your service? And then some of you, honestly, came to our church from a smaller church somewhere in East Texas, and, and at that smaller church, you did everything. You got worn out, burned out, you came here and you're, you're sort of anonymous. You never fill out the guest card because you don't want us to contact you. You're just like, nobody knows who I am. Nobody's going to ask me to do anything. I'm going to come in and get my stuff and leave. 
But that's not using your giftedness. And, and no, God didn't call you to do everything. It wasn't right what you, now I know you helped your little church, but that wasn't God's design for you either to do everything. He doesn't give you every spiritual gift. He doesn't give anybody, anyone every spiritual gift. So that wasn't his design for you either. His design for you is to use your spiritual gift here because he has sovereignly placed you into the body. So this morning as a pastor, here's what I could do. Because we're just about done. I could lay it on thick this morning and try to make all of you feel really guilty who aren't serving. I could do that. Would that do any good? No, it wouldn't. Or I could present all the needs, and we do have needs. We're at promotion time, so we need preschool, we need children, we need youth leaders in all those areas and other areas too. So I could say, hey, look at the needs. We've got these great needs. I could put some kids up here crying, you know, and try to really draw it out of your heart this morning, you know. Would that do any good? It might. That might actually work, you know. But that's not God's design. That's not the way that he wants it to work. What I prefer to do instead is just tell you about the word, what the Word says about your design and about your placement in the body and let you follow the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the way it ought to be. Holy Spirit's not about guilt. He's not about laying this thing on you thick. He wants you to follow him because you love him. So do I. So this morning there is a response. What's the response? Well, in the seat in front of you, there's a little volunteer card. It's got an orange thing on the top of it, a little orange header. So I'd like you to pass those around. You pass those to people that are sitting around you. Take one yourself. Just go ahead and do it. You're looking at me. Don't look at me. Go do that right now. They're right in the seat rack in front of you there. So give everybody one. I want everybody to lay eyes on this this morning. Some of you are going, I ain't doing what he's going to do. Just, just do it, okay? Just follow me this morning, okay? We're just about done. The longer you wait, the longer it's going to take. So just go ahead and get the card. And this is a volunteer card, so this doesn't guarantee that you're going to volunteer. I'm not trying to get you to do anything this morning, but except do what the Lord wants you to do. So there's a place on the back for your name, your email, and your cell phone. So that'll help us contact you. But here's what I want you to do. At the bottom of the back, there's a blank area. Some of you already know your spiritual gift. And there's pens in that seat rack, too. You may have to share the pens because you may not have enough for everybody, but... You can do that. What I'd like you to do is put your name and information on there. And then I would like to, if you already know your spiritual gift, I'd like you to write that on there. Here is Paul Coleman. Here's my spiritual gift. Teaching, leading, administration. That's my spiritual, some of my spiritual gifts. So if you know, go ahead and write that down. Why do I want that information? Because we may not know that about you. And I say we, the staff is here to help plug you in and get you to the right place. And we don't know how to do that if we don't know how God's gifted you. You didn't gift you. You're clay. How is the potter how has he fitted you for service? So you can write that on there. Or if you say, I don't know, I'm unaware of my spiritual gifts this morning. Well, on your welcome guide, when you came in, there's a little QR code. You guys know what those are, this little box right here that looks like nothing. Um, it's actually something. You scan that with your phone in a few minutes when you leave. It'll take you to the shape assessment, which is going to ask you a bunch of questions about, um, you know, what are your spiritual gifts and how does that work? So I would say this, three steps this morning. First is discover your design. So that's part of what that QR code's about. But let me, let me tell you, if you sit down and take that spiritual gifts assessment and you're not full of the Holy Spirit when you do it, or you don't answer those questions about when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know, sometimes we get those back and, and they're like people are tens on everything. That, no, that's not right. Because it's going to ask you questions like, I most often do this. I most often am inclined to do this. Well, that's true when you're full of the Holy Spirit. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, then that's not going to be an accurate assessment. So it's just a tool. So you can do that, but that's the first step is discover what that is. So you could write on this card, I don't know my spiritual gift. You could tell us that, and that'll help us know how to help you. So that's okay. You could write that this morning. Discover your gift, okay? The second step is discover your placement. 
So what does that mean? Well, where do you fit in the body of Christ? You have such and such gift. Where does it fit in our particular church? Because I promise you there's a need for whatever your gift is. But you may not be aware of what the need is. So we want to help plug you into that. So you could write on here, hey, I'm willing. And there's some, there's some opportunities that are listed here, but maybe none of that's what you're gifted to do. And that's fine. So on the back, just say, I'm interested in whatever that gifted area is. I'm interested in serving using this gift. Just tell us that. It'll help us to know how to help you. And then the third thing is this. The third step is this. Pursue service immediately. Don't wait to be asked. Because you're designed by God. You're placed in the body by God. So you don't have to wait for five years for one of us who work here to come find you and say, would you do this or this? And that's what people often do. Well, nobody's asked me, so I don't have to do anything. Noncompliance. <laughs> to order to serve, just be willing to serve. I used to tell kids all the time when they graduated from high school, I'd say, look, wherever you're going, whatever college town you're going to, go find a church. You won't find one like Marbury, but get close. Find one that teaches the Bible. And then go find that ministry leader and say to them, I'm here, I'm ready, I want to serve. And they'll look at you like you're weird because nobody ever does that. But that's okay. Once they get to know you, they'll plug you in. Don't wait two years into your college experience for somebody to come up to you and say, I bet you'd be awesome serving in such and such area. And they don't even know you. You know your gift once you figure it out. So start using it. And right here, that's what I would encourage you to do as well. Don't wait for somebody to ask you. Volunteer. That's what it's all about. Using your giftedness in God's design. So this morning, what I want to do is ask you on the way out in just a minute to turn that in as you leave. There should be somebody, all the exits to take that from you. But I want to just pray for you this morning. Can I do that? Because I'm over by five minutes and I know we're about ready to get out of here. So let me just pray for you related to this idea of the sovereignty of serving. God, I pray for everybody in this room and for those who are watching online, especially for those who, Father, need to come back to church and just haven't yet. Lord, I pray you'd encourage them to come back to serving here and worshiping here and connecting here with Marbury Baptist Church. And then for everybody who's in the room, Father, my prayer is that you would, by your love and your compassion, your mercy, motivate them to want to find out how you've designed them and use that gift for your glory, to please you most of all. And Lord, I just pray that you will help our church to be a picture of your sovereignty to our community. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.